So often here in the fast lane, we mention perception and reality. Sometimes they're different. Sometimes they mesh very harmoniously. But much like the perception is the reality that David Teal was a Hall of Fame columnist for Richmond.com and gracious enough to once again join us with his time here in the fast lane from Richmond.com. David, a pleasure to speak with you. We hope that you and your family are staying sane as crossover season has hit the Teal household. Um, JMU, perception seems to be building that there's becoming a larger and larger cry for why this team should have postseason eligibility allowed. The reality, is it actually gaining any traction? That's Ed, a question for those on the NCAA Division I Board of Directors to answer. And as Jeff Bourne, JMU's athletic director, told us yesterday, trying to predict what the NCAA will do is a fool's errand because you just don't know. But I think where, where James Madison is tracking right now is it noticed that public opinion and outcry seem to influence the NCAA's Tez Walker deliberations, the receiver at North Carolina. And I think the Dukes are wisely mounting a a PR campaign of their own with plenty of ammunition and a form of an undefeated record and number 21 national ranking. Uh, And I also wouldn't be surprised that you know, the Attorney General of Virginia has already written a letter to the NCAA, and um, might he be pondering some kind of legal action on his alma mater's behalf, by the way? Uh, Attorney General Myaris is a uh, James Madison graduate. David Teal is all over this story of JMU's bowl eligibility for Richmond.com, and he's with us here in the Fast Lane. So you brought up the most interesting angle to this, and that's Jason Mayaris, the Attorney General for the Commonwealth of Virginia, who is, as you noted, a JMU Duke graduate himself, um, presenting presenting the potential for legal action. How much does the 9-0 Supreme Court vote last year potentially create some quivering knees in the NCAA offices on this type of matter? Well, I, I don't think that influence is it much... And simply because this this wouldn't be a long, drawn-out court case. This would essentially be getting an injunction because it would have to happen in a hurry. And really, the NCAA's antitrust issues, which were at the heart of that 9 nothing skunking uh, in Washington, D.C., don't really apply here, so it's it's a much different legal question. Uh, I, I think the more pertinent question now is, in an era where the NCAA preaches student-athlete welfare, how on God's green earth is uh, keeping an undefeated football team from a bowl uh, about student-athlete welfare? David, we're going to do the maybe absurd here, so please don't hang up on us and hate us for asking this. But we're going to ask that question of you since you're a Hall of Fame columnist for Richmond.com. How does keeping JMU out of postseason play do anything to realistically enhance student-athlete welfare, or is this just a father-knows-best, we-should-never-question-the-NCAA mentality that clearly is outdated and antiquated? (laughs) 
I don't think it's 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 either. Number one, obviously, it doesn't benefit student athletes in the least. Number two, what the NCAA is leaning on here is precedent. This is the rule. You knew it when you signed up, and we're not going to change it just for you midstream. Should the rule be, you know, can the rule be changed eventually for all? Yes. But just for one in this particular case, that's what, that's the NCAA's argument. JMU's counter to that, and what I believe is a very effective counter, is that, look, no institution, and you can crunch all the numbers you'd like, and JMU is correct in this, no institution transitioning to the football bowl subdivision has ever been as prepared as James Madison was. This was a 10-year, well-thought-out process. They had the infrastructure. They had the financing in place. Witness, by the way, last year's 8-3 and three record. And, oh, by the way, if that wasn't convincing enough, here's 9-0 and oh on top of that. David, you bring up that particular point about JMU. Is it somewhat antithetical, contrary is probably a better way, to the idea of free market decision-making, which is, hey, shouldn't the user assume the risk of being able to jump from one AA FCS to one AFBS? And, hey, if you make the jump and you're not ready, well, you get the embarrassment that you probably deserve by signing up for that. Yes, but the NCAA doesn't want the headache of these schools trying to elevate ill-prepared. Therefore, it put in this rule about a, a two-year bowl, essentially a two-year bowl ban for those uh, elevated. Now, in basketball, it's far more penal, and it's four years. And we've seen, we, we saw it impact last year's tournament because there's Merrimack that wins the Northeast Conference tournament, but it's... <clears throat> ineligible for the NCAA tournament. So the runner-up in that conference tournament was Fairleigh Dickinson, which took the automatic bid. And all Fairleigh Dickinson did was send Purdue packing in the second 16-over-1 upset in bracket history. The irony of that, of course, a uh, big brand for the NCAA getting knocked out of their own tournament thanks to that particular rule David Teal, Richmond.com, by David Teal, Twitter, to keep up with the Hall of Famer who's with us in the fast lane. David, as it stands right now, does this change at any point, or are we sitting here screaming about the absurdity of this NCAA rule, but ultimately accepting that once again, despite the Dukes having another stellar season, no postseason reward? I think we can both could be true. I don't have any faith that the NCAA will do the right thing. But I do think there's a decent chance, perhaps better than 50-50, that 82 teams don't meet the 6-6 benchmark for bowl qualification, at which point James Madison would get the first call. Now, here's the rub. If JMU were ruled bowl eligible, then it could then compete for the Sun Belt Championship 
and then potentially be in line for a New Year's Six Bowl. Whereas if it only came down to, oh, not enough teams qualified, then JMU's not in the Sun Belt Championship game and therefore isn't eligible for a New Year's Six bit. And that's kind of a once-in-a-lifetime thing. And to think that the institution could be denied that because of this foolish rule uh, is really disheartening to those in Harrisonburg. Isn't there also some irony that the NCAA doesn't want the headache of teams making the jump from 1AA FCS to 1A FBS or, of course, D2, D3 to D1 in in the basketball side of things, and yet (laughs) a last-second invite to the conference championship game for JMU that could come and potentially going to a New Year's Six might just be creating the headache that the NCAA didn't want to have in the first place. It certainly could. But, Ed... (laughs) If any organization could use some good public relations, you would think it would be the NCAA as it grovels before Congress asking uh, our national legislators to solve its antitrust issues. Uh, But yet that reality seems to be lost on those folks. Oh, it most definitely does. Meanwhile, another team from the Commonwealth that would love to take the place of JMU, who cannot at this point go to a New Year's Six Bowl game, the Liberty Flames, they are 9-0. They're looking for respect, but the reality is the conference schedule in conference, COSA is not strong, and Liberty trying to fill it out, making the jump from independent to a conference team, had to shed teams, and some teams wanted to get out because of Liberty's recent success, so it is not a strong schedule for Liberty. How much importance do you place on a game like ODU this weekend for Liberty, if nothing more than a win keeps them in the conversation, and a loss ends any of that. Oh, it's huge, without question. Uh, and Old Dominion coming from a conference, the Sun Belt, is far better regarded than, than Conference USA, and, and rightfully so. Um, now, is, is Old Dominion a title contender in that league? No. But, but still would certainly bolster the Flames' resume. But Liberty needs help from elsewhere. Do they get it, or is this too big of a mountain to climb right now? Well, we don't know, Ed, how big the mountain is, because the only group of five team in the CFP rankings this week is Tulane. Now, Tulane has a very dicey regular season finale against conference rival Texas San Antonio. If Tulane were to lose that game, Tulane's only loss, <clears throat> pardon me, is that old miss. But Texas San Antonio has lost three games. So if UTSA beats Tulane, the, both of those squads are out of consideration for the highest-ranked um, group of five champion. Could SMU slide in there with two losses over an unbeaten Liberty? We don't know. We don't know how the, the, the CFP committee views any of the group of five teams other than Tulane. It would be fascinating to know who essentially is next in line. And oh, by the way, 
because JMU is not eligible for its conference championship game, the CFP committee doesn't even evaluate the Dukes. So who knows how they might uh, assess them. Were they eligible? (laughs) It's amazing. That might make the selection committee rankings reveal every Tuesday night more entertaining if they at least included some of that info. Oh, 100%. And yet, it doesn't happen, and so we're left with what we have. David Teal, Richmond.com, and by David Teal on Twitter. David, thank you for sifting through this subject with us today in the fast lane. Our pleasure to speak with you as always. Uh, We'd love to catch back up again. We'll talk some more ACC sports uh, next time we connect. But thank you for your insight, and keep up the great work on this development with JMU football for Richmond.com. Thanks for having me, Ed. Be well. Our pleasure. David Teal, Richmond.com. With his perspective. He's close to the sun as he covers the Commonwealth teams for Richmond.com. Now a little bit of a broader perspective on JMU, Liberty, and postseason outlook from somebody who has put bowl projections together for Action Network. And he's very well sourced. Brett McMurphy steps into the fast lane next on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app.